You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. We met a pastor at the conference the other day. We've known him for years. Great guy. I can't say his name because if I do, he'll say that's very disrespectful. But he has this lovely phrase. He says, hey, you know that old devil? He's lower than a snake's belly. We used to say that a lot in Ballyfian back in the day. Today's message is called The Shortcut. Are you doing well this morning, brothers and sisters? Well, do you know what? The good news is Michael is speaking, so it's going to be shortcut. It's going to be really fast and really quick, and we're going to get through it like a lightning, okay? I'm only kidding. Today's message is entitled The Shortcut. Human beings like shortcuts. Quick question. Does anybody here like a good shortcut? Yep, yep. Be honest. There are about 50% of you are liars. Okay, that's okay. It's fine. We love our shortcuts. How do we like our shortcuts? We have Google Maps that will tell us where to go. Turn left. I'd love to have Google Maps for flying into space. You have reached your destination in 4.7 billion kilometers. I'd love that. We have microwave ovens. How many people here have a microwave oven in their home? Okay, we resisted getting a microwave oven, Elma and I. We don't, even to this day, we have a microwave oven, but even when I heat food in it, it just doesn't feel right. It all feels rushed and shortcut. And the invention of the microwave oven came along because people were time poor and people wanted to take a shortcut to a fast, hot meal. What about instant pain relief? Does anybody here like instant pain relief? I like my instant pain relief. And thankfully, at this stage, I would take anything to stop the pain. Anything to stop the pain. And we've grown used to things being done very quick and very fast. We are living, in some senses, in a shortcut society. But shortcuts sometimes don't work out the way that we have them planned. And I want to look at some of those shortcuts this morning. I feel the Lord has spoken to me just to discuss this idea of shortcuts today. But the one thing I'm not going to do today is I'm not going to do the job of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. And as I'm speaking, I'm asking you, have ears to hear. Because I really believe the Lord is going to speak to some people this morning. It may not be my voice that's speaking, but the Holy Spirit will prompt you. I believe as we go through and we look at God's word today. Because God's word is where it's at, lads. Amen? Amen? Okay, let me tell you a small story before I start, however. This is it. I went to France one time back in... Back in early August 1994, Elma and I weren't married that long, moved into our house, decided to go to France on holiday. And we decided we were going to go to this seaside town called Saint-Malo. Saint-Malo, we were, say I'm going to Saint-Malo, Saint-Malo is how the French pronounce it. And so we decided we were going to go to this place called Saint-Malo, we got the ferry from Cork, the ferry from Cork to Roscoff, beautiful ferry journey over on the Val de Loire, coming back was hell, but going was heaven, it was absolutely brilliant, we went over on the Val de Loire, and on the way over, I met a very helpful Irishman, a Dubliner, and he said, come here, he says, you're going to France, yeah, I said, yeah, he said, like I'm on the ferry to France, you're going to France, he says, I'll give you a clue, right, I'll give you a hint, he says, when you speak to the French, because you're speaking English, they'll think that you're English, and the French don't like English people. So what you want to do is start off every conversation by saying, Je suis Irlandaise. I am Irish. And then they'll open up like a flower to you, I promise. So I thought, thank you for that advice, sage wise man. So we went to saint Malou, got off the ferry, 6 o'clock in the morning, bear with the story. Got to a town called Morlay at about half past 7 in the morning. It was an early Sunday morning, half past 7 in the morning. We go to... We go to Morlaix, which is the nearby town from which you get the train to take it to Saint-Malou. Went into the train station. 
uh, nobody around except one guy at the ticket counter. And I decided to try the little bit of French that I had, which was no French. I'd been in France a couple of years earlier and had learned very, very little because we had an interpreter with us all the time. So what I decided to do is I said I would accentuate things as I was saying them. So I went up to the counter, <clears throat> cleared my throat, and this guy sitting behind the counter looks at me. He's a, no, he's a kind of a surly, older man, big, thick moustache with a cigarette in his mouth. He's the ticket man. So I said, uh, pardonnez-moi, combien deux billets à Saint-Malou? And he looked at me. He said, deux billets? I said, who? Oui, deux billets? <laughs> so he types in, and he tells me, 300 francs, which was a lot of money at the time. 300 francs. And I said, I thought we could get there for 30 francs. Now, the numbers might be a little bit wrong. I'm trying to remember what they were. No, I'm wrong. It was 1,200 francs. And I said, I thought we could get there for 300 francs. This is what the, guide, the guidebook said. So I said, pardonnez-moi, monsieur, deux billets? He said, oui, deux billets. And I said, pardonnez-moi, je suis irlandaise. And he looked at me and thought to himself, you stupid Irishman. <laughs> so I went back to him and I said, you wouldn't believe it. It's 1,200 francs to get the train to Saint-Malou, okay? And Elma had an idea, a brilliant idea. She said, you know, it's two hours before the train comes. The highway is just down the road. Why don't we hitchhike to Saint-Malou instead? Take the shortcut. What are we waiting for spending all this money? So I said, darling, you are so wise. I said that at half past seven in the morning. I didn't say it later on. Anyway, so we decided to go down to the highway and we start hitchhiking. And one thing we realized very quickly was that the French don't pick up hitchhikers. They don't like hitchhikers. So it took us a bit of a while to get there. One guy pulled up in the car. He, I opened the door of the car and I stuck my head and I said, Samalou, s'il vous plaît. And he, just, he didn't say anything. He looked forward. He said, just pointed to the seat. And I noticed that his leg was going like this. And we got into, this, got into the car, and I turned around to Elman and I said, I think this guy's going to murder us and bury us in a French cornfield. He looked completely psycho. He drives about a kilometer and then pulls in, and he says, we are here. One kilometer later, we jumped out of that car so happy, like being set free from prison. Anyway, we set off at half past seven in the morning to head for Saint-Malou. The train takes about an hour and a half to get there. We arrive there 14 hours later. <laughs> Exhausted confused and then I opened my book to discover that Duze is not two it's twelve and the man back at the ticket counter looked at me and thought to himself you stupid Irish man there are only two of you why do you want twelve tickets we thought we would take a shortcut I blamed my wife she said no let's take a shortcut I would have stuck with it and figured it out but she said, no, let's take the shortcut. And the shortcut, unfortunately, didn't work out very well for us. J.R.R. Tolkien writes in The Lord of the Rings, he says, shortcuts make for long delays. Long delays in our lives can come as a result of taking shortcuts. I'm going to look at some of those shortcuts in just a second. How many of you have ever had this experience? You've got a product from Ikea. You get a product from Ikea. And before you know, you're having a nervous breakdown because the screw doesn't go into the blank. You have Ikea faith. You decide, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Why would I follow the instructions? We bought some bunk beds one time. We did the whole thing, put the bunk beds together. And at the end, I turned on Elma said, they look fabulous. I said, I know they look fabulous. But what's that plank for? I had to take the whole darn thing apart again to put the plank in. 
Have you ever done that in your life? Has anybody here, any man ever be a seat? We take shortcuts and we would just say, I, I, I know how to do this. Let me, give you, let me give you a good example. See this television here? I mounted this TV on the stand. Myself and my son Rory put out this TV on the stand. This is the book for that TV. And it says, be sure to read the instructions before you assemble the TV and turn it on. Do you know how many pages there are in this thing? 600 pages of instructions. You would want to be a complete, do you think we read them? Not a sentence, I can assure you. Does the television work? Yes. But it explains why, as I read in a recent article, 90% of the, of the um, activity or the available functions on most of our electronic devices are never used because we don't read the instructions. Do you see where I'm going with this one? I have another instruction book here. It's got about a thousand pages in it. And it's a very good book. Now, I'm not going to reduce the Bible to just the book of instructions. It's so much more than that, but it's part of it. Taking shortcuts has a long history in the Bible. A lot of people have made mistakes. Here's three quick examples. Oh, sorry. Shortcuts are short-sighted. Forgot that comment. Abraham's shortcut, Genesis chapter 16 and Genesis 15. The Lord says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a million sons. You as many as the stars in the sky. And Abraham says, thank you, Lord, for your promise. One chapter later, he decides, you know what? I think maybe I'm going to sleep with my wife's maid and we'll have a surrogate son and that way we'll fulfill God's promise. He took a shortcut to God's promise. Let me tell you this, if you have ears to hear this morning, there are no shortcuts to God's promises. God moves when God moves and he moves in the time that he chooses in your life. Don't take a shortcut to the promise of God. Would any of God's people say amen? I like this one in Acts chapter 19. The seven sons of Sceva take a shortcut. It's a long story. It's actually a very short story. It's told over a, couple of, over a couple of verses. But it's a really instructive story because these guys were exorcists. They were casting out demons. And it seems like they were kind of running out of luck with the casting out of demons routine. So they decide to use the name of Jesus. I was going to call it the Jesus name shortcut. And that is that they decided they were going to cast out demons in the name of Jesus, a person whom they didn't know, a God whom they didn't serve and the Lord who was not the one who brought salvation and power to them but they decided to use the name and they all ended up running screaming naked and beaten up from the house because they took the shortcut you can't have the power of God without knowing God amen you can't use the name of Jesus Christ without knowing the name of Jesus Christ are you with me his last of these shortcuts. I think this is very instructive when the devil appears to, when Satan appears to Jesus in the wilderness and he offers the seductive shortcuts to Jesus. And I think this is so instructive for every Christian life. And that is this. It says that when Jesus had fasted for 40 days, he was tired and he was hungry and then Satan came and tempted him. And you know, if you're familiar with the Bible at all, he offered him three things. The first thing he said to him is, you're hungry? Why wait? Turn these stones into bread. Shortcut to satisfaction, which is what so much of society offers us now, a shortcut to satisfaction. Want sex? Why marry? What are you thinking? Just get on with it. You know, you just take the satisfaction that's coming. Want to get high? Just take drugs. It's a shortcut to satisfaction. Here's one thing that you should bear in mind. The enemy will always offer shortcuts to what God in his wisdom wants to give us in its fullness and its correct standing. Are you with me? 
the enemy will always offer us a shortcut. The second thing he offered him was to do a spectacular. Took him up to the pinnacle of the temple. He says, go on. If you're the son of God, throw yourself off. Everyone will see it. The angels will see it. But Jesus said, no, we're not going to test the Lord your God. Jesus was going to do a spectacular, but it wasn't jumping off the temple. It was rising from the grave on the third day. Amen? That was the spectacular he was going to do. And of course, I love the third option that the devil says to him. He says, bow down to me and all the kingdoms of the earth will be yours. The devil didn't have the foresight to read Matthew 28 where Jesus says, all power and authority under heaven and earth is given to me. But that power and authority would come after he had been crucified and after he had risen from the grave. There was no shortcut to what Jesus was going to do in our lives and in Jesus' own life. Are you with me? I want to look back to Jeremiah chapter 6. One verse in Jeremiah chapter 6, if you will, for the central plank here. Jeremiah chapter 6 addresses the people of Israel when they were at a crossroads. They were at a crossroads in this way. They were about to be invaded by the Babylonian army from the east. Their land was about to be taken over. And God, as it were, through the prophet Jeremiah, threw them one last offer. Now, the reason they ended up in this situation was really simple. They wanted to know the promises of God, but they didn't want to wait for God to fulfill his promises. They wanted to experience the blessing. They wanted to experience the prosperity. They wanted to experience the safety. They wanted to experience the wealth. They even wanted to experience God blessing them through generations. But the, me- the promises of God were too remote for them. They couldn't wait for them to happen. So they began to call on the local gods. They began to call on the gods of the Hittites. Gods like Chemosh. And gods like Molech. And the, what's referred to as the queen of heaven. They began to call on these various other gods to get in shorter ways what God wanted to give them in the fullness of his plan. And so God lays them a last offer. And he says to them in, in Jeremiah chapter 6. This is Jeremiah chapter 6. This is what the Lord says to the people of Israel at the time. Very simple verse. You might even be familiar with it. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. And that is God's word to many of you here today. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Because these people were running away from God and God wanted to get their attention. Brothers and sisters, the way that we follow is an ancient way. And I don't care how many people come up with new ways It is an ancient way that we follow. Our practices won't always be the same and won't always be as they were in the ancient way. We may have modern practices, but our path is ancient. And that's what I feel this morning. I think the Holy Spirit wants to speak to some people this morning through just these five simple verbs. Stand, the Lord says to them. Go to the crossroads and stand. Why do we find it so hard to stand? Just be still for a few minutes. Now, I don't know about you. Now, some of you are very good at standing, and I've got a challenge for you in a minute, so don't worry about that. 
But some of us are not very good at standing. And standing still feels so alien to us, it just feels almost weird. I mean, I can stand still for a few seconds. I really can. I can stand still, say, okay, stand still, just stand still. And I can do it. I'll get a minute maybe. I'll get two minutes out of it. And then my toe will start going. And then my leg will start going. And I'll start thinking about all the things that need to be done. All the things that are grabbing for my attention. I find it really hard to stand still. One of the reasons that we can sometimes find it hard to stand still is because we're running away from ourselves or from God or from a reality that we don't want to face. That's the plain truth of it. I was jogging one time in Kinsale. I was out running. It was last year. I was out running in Kinsale. And as I was running up this hill, um, I, I ran past this guy. And he was holding his, his little kid. His kid was maybe two and a half, three years of age. And I'm running up the hill. And I'm, I'm, I'm drained. <sighs> running up the hill. And as I go past, I say hello to the guy. And I just hear the child say to his dad, Daddy, why is that man running? What's he running away from? <laughs> Do you know what? I stopped running. I thought, you know, there's probably some reality in this. My father had heart disease. My mother had high blood pressure. They both had heart issues, blood pressure issues, cholesterol issues. What am I running away from? My father's heart attack. That's what I'm running away from. I'm running away from my mother's high blood pressure. That's what I'm running away from. What are you running from this morning? Not all of you, but some of you here, you know you're running. The Lord would say to you, stand still. This is what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 2. When will you stop running? What are you after anyway? What is it that you're in for? What are you up for? What are you running for? Stand still, the Lord would say to some of his people this morning. We'll pray at the end. Is that okay? Together. Look. Just look. Look where you're going. Don't be just waking up every morning going, I don't know what's going to happen in my life today. Look at where you're going. Where is your life headed? We're always saying it to our sons at home, who are three boys. It's all about trajectory. The trajectory you're on is going down, not up. What's, where's the route you're going? Look, take the time to look where you're going. The proverb says this, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions, but a simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Just straight into the walk. Keeps going. Walk straight into it. Just ignoring the consequences of their actions. Look where your life is going. Look where your decisions are leading you. Look at the dangers that are potentially there in the shortcuts you may be taking. Ask. <laughs> Asking. Do you know what? I asked a question years ago over in Deer Park. I asked, how many of the men here would ask for directions if they were lost? Me and two other honest individuals put our hands up. How many people here would ask for directions if they were lost? See, Tom doesn't put up his hand at all. Lord, I, cook, I, yeah, half up, exactly. Do you know why we don't ask? Because we're proud. No, darling, I'll figure the way out of this. I know where we are. Oh, no, at any minute, no, we're going to emerge from this valley. Oh, yeah, honestly, the hilltop is just over there. No, as my wife said to me, darling, we're going to be in Samalu any minute. No, we're not. Ask someone where you're going. Where are you going? Just heading that way. There's a cliff that way. I don't care. I'm too proud to ask the directions. We sometimes need to ask. 
that one of the reasons I think that we don't ask when we're in difficulty, we think we can figure it all out and get control of the situation ourselves, is that if we ask, we may not like the answer. We may not like the answer. Let me give you a couple of examples. Lord, should I give more financially at church? The answer is, amen. You see, let's get everyone together saying, yes. We sing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, no, no way. Lord, should I serve more in church? The answer is, yes. yes. You can, a lot more people said yes to that one than the money one. It's funny, isn't it? We don't ask because we don't want to hear the answer. Lord, should I tell you this month? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll come back to that one, Lord. We don't ask. Here's what the scripture says. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. They go wrong for lack of Many advisors bring success. Sometimes when we ask, we just have to ask. God speaks to us by his Holy Spirit, but in my experience, primarily through his word. Through his word. It's as you're reading it. And I've often said, I say to people who are new believers, I'm reading this Bible, but it's reading me. I'm reading it going, yeah, that's me. That's what I'm like. I'm like that guy there. It continually does that. It reads us so often. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. You don't know it all. Tom referenced the person last week. We have a common phrase between Tom and I. Everyone loves a know-all. They don't. Sometimes you have to ask. Be humble enough to ask. Be wise enough to ask. If you're lost today, ask for God to direct your steps. Would anyone say amen? I think he might be doing it even as we speak. And for those of you who find it easy to stand still, try this one. Walk. Walk. Get walking. Start doing it. Elma, my wife, is always saying it's much easier to guide a moving ship. Start doing something and let God sort out the details. You need to get going. It's not unwise to say, oh no, I'm going to just wait for until the Lord absolutely opens every door and every flare opens up and the angel appears in the bedroom. No, sometimes you just have to start walking one foot in front of the other. You just got to get going. Here's what the scripture saith. Look straight ahead. Mark, fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Walk on the way. When you know the way, walk in it. When you know the way, walk in it. James says, don't just be hearers of God's word only, but be doers of it also. Let's do it. Now, lads, by the way, I'm on the journey with this with you guys as well, all right? I don't, I'm not saying, well, I have made it, and I'm going to tell you 19 points of how to make it. No, I'm on this journey too. And I know this. There have been times in my life where I have not walked what God's advice was, and it invariably ends up in trouble. Shortcuts are short-sighted. They're short-sighted. Keep your feet from following evil. And finally, the last verb of that one, very simple, rest. And do you know why we can rest? Because we're walking in the way that God has shown us to walk. When we walk in that way, then we know for certain that we're walking in the restful way that God wants us to go. Then we can say, Lord, I've stood, I've listened, I've asked, I think I know what to do. I'm going to walk in it and now I'm going to rest. 
I'm not going to carry it on all the time and continually second guess myself. Am I going in the right direction? Is this the right person for me? Should I marry that person? No, I'm actually going to make up my mind and I'm going to begin to walk in that direction and I'm going to let God's rest come upon me. Do you know how restless it can make you when you're continually second guessing what God's best for your life is? It's very, very, very tiring. Here's what the writer to Hebrews says. There's a special Rest still waiting for God's people. So let's do our best to enter that rest. I love it. Let's do our best to enter that rest. Nice and rhymy, nice and easy to remember. But you see what he's saying? He said, you have to exert yourself if you want to enter the rest of God. Are you with me? And that's what I'm talking about shortcuts. You see, when it comes to shortcuts, the truth of it is, we would like the wealth without the work. We'd like the success without the sweat. Would that be okay? We'd like the perfection, but without the patience. We'd like the love of a lifelong relationship, but without the labor that goes with it. Would any of the wives say amen? Would any of the men say amen? We want the presence of God, but not the persistence it takes to meet with it. Would you say amen? And of course, what do we all want? We want heaven. But without the hardship it takes to get there or the hardship that makes heaven meaningful. Are you with me? Are you with me? We want, that's what we want. Nice and quick and short. But there's a good piece of advice. It's written all over the scriptures. A fabulous piece of advice that we can do when we know we've taken a shortcut and it isn't working out. The most foolish thing to do is to keep going. And I'll figure it out on the way. Once we realize that we are going in the wrong direction, the most efficient, most intelligent, smartest thing we can do is turn back. Turn back. And if you have walked away from the Lord today, God's word to you is, turn back. Turn back. For some of you today, it's your hearts and your souls and your minds. You've gone cold and the Lord is saying to you today, turn back. It is the wisest thing that you can do once you realize that you have gone in the wrong direction. Once you've gone, the wisest thing you can do once you've gone in the wrong direction. I'm going to finish off with just a couple of verses. And we're going to worship God. We're going to sing out in a second, but we're going to pray before we do that. But let me just give you these couple of quick verses. They're from Matthew's Gospel, and they're translated from the message version of the Bible. And I loved it when I read it. Um, It just speaks, it, it so unclutters the reality of what it is that we're trying to do in following Jesus Christ. Some of you here today need to stand. Some of you need to look. Some of you need to walk. Some of you need to ask. But all of us are heading for the same destination. Would anyone say amen? Amen. There's one destination that will only ever satisfy our souls, and that's heaven itself. Here's how Eugene Peterson translates it in the message. He says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Just, you know, I got a hobby. It's self-improvement. But he goes on to say this. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, the way to God is vigorous and it requires total attention. Maybe the worship band can come up, guys. I'm going to ask you, would you stand with me? We're going to pray.
Let's just close our eyes for a moment. I'm going to keep it simple. We're going to sing in a second the song, Guardian. And the chorus of that song says, you go before me. The scripture says, God goes before us. We don't need to take a shortcut if God goes before us. Are you with me? We don't need to figure it out ourselves if God is going before us to the place that we need to go or where he is leading us. Can I ask you to close your eyes for a moment? If you're here this morning and you realize that you hear the voice of God, whether it's to stand, to walk, to look, to resist temptation, to satisfy a short-term desire by taking a shortcut, I'm not going to ask you for specifics. But if you feel the Lord has spoken to you this morning via his Holy Spirit or by the word spoken here in this room, would you raise your hand to heaven? If you've heard the voice of God this morning in this situation, can I invite you, would you raise the other hand with it? Can I ask us all to raise our hands together? We're going to pray as we close out this morning. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that the shortcut to heaven is through the cross of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, today that none of us will make it on our own, but we make it only on the basis of what you have already done for us. Lord, for any this morning, Lord, who need to stand, to ask, to walk, to look, Lord, first of all, let them stand still before your word. Let them look into what it would say to them. Let them ask your Holy Spirit and read your word for the answer. Let them see the way that they should walk in your word. And Lord, may your people leave this place today in a state of spiritual rest. Would anyone say amen? Lord, we hand over to you this morning. Our rushing and our racing, our shortcuts. And our short-sightedness, Lord, we leave it in your hands. And we ask you, will you fulfill your promises in our lives, in your time and in your way? Would anyone say amen? Lord, we thank you that you go before us. And as we leave church here this morning and head to the courtyard for a cup of coffee or to say it, have a chat with our friends as we go into the week this week, Lord, my prayer sincerely is that you would go before your people, Lord. Lord, that we wouldn't have to take shortcuts in any area of our lives this week in whatever way we may be tempted to, but we will follow the ancient path, God's good way to the life that you want us to have. We commit ourselves into your hands and ask you that you would bless us, watch over us and keep us. In Jesus' mighty name and God's people said a final. Amen. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. The lads are going to play us out. I'm sorry I've run a little bit over time. The guys are going to play us out. We're serving tea and coffee in the Courtyard Cafe. And we'll see you down there shortly in a few minutes. We start again at 11.30. So shall we.